Hey everybody, this is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. How many of you here are on your way to heaven? Let me see your hands. How many want to take a lot of people with you? (laughs) I like to ask that question. Um, It is such a blessing uh, to be here to share and uh, uh, just knowing that God is raising up a a great vast army of another of another generation and uh, for Dee and me um, it's such a delight to see what God is doing of course in this case we're in our home church this is where we fellowship uh, when we're not traveling all over the world and and we do that multiple times each year. Last year I had a, a, a very first thing, a first experience in my life in, <clears throat> I think it was October of last year, where, where we've traveled around the world multiple times, as many as eight times in a year. Uh, but that was the one month in my entire life that we traveled around the world twice in one month. <laughs> so we, we see a lot, uh, and sometimes we think we're gonna slow down, uh, but how many agree that I don't look like I'm 85 years old? That's in part because I'm not 85 years old. Uh, uh, but because uh, if <laughs> I'm not anywhere near 85 years old, and uh, I got my sorry, <laughs> I uh, have to have a baby. I used to just drink water, but fizzy stuff helps. I wish it had been colder. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to burp. Would you make a lot of noise? <laughs> um, no, seriously. Um, I have, this is a, a, a baby Diet Coke. It's Diet Coke Junior. We call him DC Junior, Diet Coke Junior. Um, because now they tell you, and I don't know if you've, you've heard this, because they're always telling you stuff you're not supposed to eat and drink that... Um, there's something in the aluminum that they say can cause short-term memory loss. And so <clears throat> I've had to cut back because as you get older, that's one of the things you, that happens to you, start forgetting stuff. And, and I know I probably told this before going out to the car, <clears throat> eating a banana and, and uh, throwing the car keys into the garbage and trying to start the car with the banana. <clears throat> And, uh, and, and the car started, and that was what was the most unusual thing about that. Uh, but you, you, you do need to be careful what you eat um, or what you consume. And, and in Colorado, of course, we've become the, uh, the, the marijuana state, as you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then I read this. This is, this is true. This is... An Ohio teenager, already on probation, knew he had failed the urine test because the marijuana he had been smoking would show up in the sample. To fool his probation officer, he substituted a, a urine sample that he got from his cousin. Uh, the one problem was his cousin's urine tested positive for cocaine. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, this is one of my favorites here. I read this was in the news too, that when the high price of gasoline was so high a couple years ago, it attracted a gas thief to an RV. He, he got the siphoning started by inserting a long hose into the RV gas tank, then put the other end of the tube into his mouth and sucked up the gas. His one mistake, he wasn't familiar with RVs. Uh, that wasn't the gas tank that he stuck the hose into. I think some of you are ahead of me. Uh, he had placed the hose into the toilet tank. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <clears throat> such is life. Uh, we need to be alert. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but anyway, I feel good today. I've been exercising. I just came off of a, a long fast. And I'm not going to really be sharing about that. Except over the years, you know, you have all these kind of diets that come at you, and you know, I, how many remember the Atkins diet? 
you know, the one, yeah, we just, I was, I, you know, I was on that diet for goodness, it must have been six or eight or uh, maybe, maybe it was ten hours, and, uh, <clears throat> and I stopped at a traffic light for 45 seconds and there was a Krispy Kreme <laughs> right across on the corner, and you know, Temptation, for me, temptation can take over in all oh, five to ten seconds. So there was quite an opportunity for me to get off that diet very quickly. Um, but anyway, I, I feel good and I thank the Lord for giving us health at this stage in our life. We, you know, as you get older, and, and if you can remember, by the way, did I mention to you that uh, they've discovered if you drink uh, diet Coke, there's an aluminum. Some of you have maybe never heard that. You you have to be careful drinking too much of this because it loses your memory, sort of. And but I appreciate your honorable leader, Brother Doug Perkins, inviting me to speak to you. Uh, uh, and you know he's actually my boss uh, because he's on our board. And uh, so if I don't do a moderately okay job, <laughs> uh, I could get in real trouble. So. I'm going to try real hard to share what he's asked me to share, and I will also try to remember uh, what he asked me to share as I get into my message. But one passage of Scripture, see, it used to be, turn in your Bibles to, now it's uh, scroll on your, and like Lauren Cunningham says, you know, I scroll like Jesus. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, I, I want to share just from my heart, uh, more I would say from a mentoring role this morning than just a teaching role. And I actually brought a whole PowerPoint that we put on the <clears throat> system back there. And as I was praying earlier, I, I felt I needed just to share some things. And I, and I thought maybe following too much of an outline would would, would take away from just uh, opening up my heart to you at this particular season because now when uh, David shared earlier about the numbers that we're seeing, there's a history of promises of God that at a time which is more than four decades ago, almost five decades ago, my, my wife and I will celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary in, uh, well, it's actually our 100th wedding anniversary, because 50 each, you know, you have to add those together, uh, in December of this year. So we're looking back at uh, many decades of the incredible faithfulness of God. And uh, literally, after arriving here this morning, the Lord, uh, and even in the worship, the Lord reminded me of the passage in Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2, and, and I might highlight the fact that it's in Habakkuk chapter 2 that there's one of two places in Scripture that say the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord or the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The other is in Isaiah chapter 11. And so there's two places in the Bible where this is spoken of, but at the beginning of, of uh, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1, and I went back to the Living Bible here because of the, the interesting phrasing, and it is a paraphrase, so the interesting phrasing of uh, these words from obviously the original Hebrew. And Habakkuk said, I will climb my watchtower now and wait. And I want you just to highlight in your mind that word wait, to see what answer God will give to my complaint because he was pouring out his heart in the first chapter. And the Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard large and clear so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell the others. But these things I plan won't happen right away. And I want to take you back to the very first days my wife and I were dating and tell you just a, 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 the journey that he's led us to. And here's the phrasing that I like. Slowly, steadily, Surely, those are great words. Slowly, doesn't always happen quickly. Steadily, but surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for those things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. 
How many agree God keeps his promises? And uh, so I, I share with you a little of our journey that's in the Purple Pig and other miracles. I know that's a rather unusual uh, title, but there was and is still a real Purple Pig. If you come over to the Jericho Center, our headquarters, you'll see going into what we call the Watchman Training Center, some artifacts and things from the past. <clears throat> and one of those is the actual Purple Pig, a stuffed pig of which there's a, a, an amazing story where in that experience, which is, which is a chapter in the book with the same title, where the Lord spoke into my spirit in the most profound way, and I can summarize it in just a, a, a couple of sentences, when the Lord said to me, and maybe even it's just one sentence, when the Lord said to me, if you, me, if you will give me everything you have, I will give you everything I have. And I thought, what a deal. Because God's got so much more than I could ever, ever possibly give. And through that, God began to lead us in a ministry of where we've come to this point today. And so, I, I, I want to start off quickly, and there's kind of, I was thinking, if, if what I were to describe were to be written into some kind of a screenplay, and there was some kind of a movie made, there would be three distinct scenes uh, that all are related back to the beginning of our experience. In fact, a lot of it happened around the year 1971, was the year that the Lord gave the vision uh, for what was to become the prayer corps and what was to become our first firehouse, and us having no clue of when... when I'm trying to get ahead. I am almost getting ahead of myself because that happens a lot, see. And, uh, uh, you know, it's really wonderful to let the Lord just lead your mind. Uh, I was just thinking of how many times I've gotten up to speak and didn't even know what I was speaking on until two-thirds through my sermon. And, uh, and you could tell by people, you know, what's their, you know, you can tell if people are sitting out there, you know, with their uh, fingernail clippers, you know, click, click, <laughs> click <laughs> while you're preaching, reading 15-year-old uh, denominational magazines and counting the little holes in the acoustical ceiling, <laughs> you know that, the, that you're not getting through to them. Uh, but you look alert, so I'm, I'm very encouraged uh, uh, and partly because you're desperate. <laughs> this is desperation. Uh, if I were to title that, I don't know, it'd make that great a movie made from a real story, you know, that type of thing, like uh, Heaven is for Real, it's out now. Uh, I, I would probably call it Days of, of Desperation uh, and Delight uh, because it was all mixed together. New things were happening. And one of the, you talk about the first experience, I'd tell you about desperation. If this, this would be scene one, this was when um, I started dating Dee. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, uh, there's a backstory even before all that. And, and I had just broken up with a young lady that I had actually, we had actually picked out a diamond ring. And Dee did almost the very same thing. And the interesting thing is her boyfriend broke up with her and my girlfriend broke up with me. So uh, we, were, we started out as losers. <laughs> you know, really desperate. But the manner in which we met was so wonderful, and I, and I need to say this, I, we were both uh, in the, uh, the, the university or the college choir, uh, and it was a Christian college, and uh, <clears throat> I actually went to school, believe it or not, as a music major, and Dee went to school as a music major. The, on, the only difference in us is she was qualified <laughs> to be a music major. And uh, so I switched to theology pretty quickly. But uh, uh, anyway, we met and uh, had a, a number of dates. And, and then came this one particular weekend where the choir was... Uh, by the way, in the first chapter of The Purple Pig, it's titled, Pardon Me, God. And, uh, uh, well, it, it's, the book has several parts to it, and the first part of the book is titled The Green Bomb. Well, The Green Bomb was our uh, 1959 Plymouth, 
And it was named the Green Bomb by uh, another classmate who, who was certain that it was going to explode. <laughs> he had been in it with me. That it was going to, by the way, it had a rusted out uh, floorboard right below driving, so you could see the highway uh, <laughs> as you're driving. It was a neat car, and uh, uh, called the Green Bomb. But anyway, uh, and so this experience happened in that because uh, the choir was going down to Mountain Lake, Minnesota. We were in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I think it was about a three-hour drive to the south, if I recall it pro uh, correctly. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, instead of chartering a big bus like we would for some of the choir tours, we, had the, uh, the, uh, we went in cars. And so I took uh, the, the Green Bomb, and, uh, and Dee was with me because we were just starting to date. And uh, another couple, uh, Don and Ruth were their name, they, they rode in the back seat and we drove down <clears throat> to Mountain Lake, had a wonderful uh, concert that night. And by the way, I, I did not sing, I played the trumpet and, uh, <clears throat> and it was a part of the choir because of that. And, uh, but on the way back, as we were taking off our choir robes in the choir room, I, uh, I, I, I said to Don, hey Don, uh, would you mind driving back to, to the college tonight so I can sit in the back uh, you know, with Dee and kind of be alone? And, and I remember he said, ah, I know what you mean. <laughs> and uh, uh, I said, no, 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 I just, I just felt I, we could, you know, some things maybe we could share, Dee and I. Well, anyway, so... Uh, I have to describe this quickly because I, I know I, it could take all morning to tell you these, these three parts of the story. But so we're driving back, and it's now like, oh, oh goodness, it's close to midnight. Uh, and we are so close in the back seat. I mean, you, you could not get closer. And we were violating the Dean of Women's uh, rule that on dates you have two thicknesses of the Minneapolis phone book between you um, or you're violating a, you know, a kind of an unwritten rule of hers. Well, we were, I mean, you couldn't even have gotten a slice of, a, a sheet of paper there. And we, I mean, it was just, I don't want to make it sound too mushy, but it was just, uh, because nowadays, of course, you don't do that kind of stuff, I know that. But we were so close and that was the moment, the moment, that I finally had the courage to say, I said, Dee, you know, there's something I need to tell you. And she was so, such a beautiful smile. She said, what is that? And I said, uh, I love you. And that was like jolting her with 10,000 volts of electricity. She, she just jerked away. I mean, this was, this was not, uh, I mean, this, this was obvious. This was just jerked away, and luckily there was a car door there. She just jerked away, and I thought, something's wrong. And she didn't say anything, and so, I mean, this, you know, in those moments, you know, five seconds is like five years. And she didn't say anything to say anything, and so finally I said, well, don't you have anything to say? And she said, what am I supposed to say? I said, well, usually when a young man says to a young lady, I love you, the young lady says back, I love you too. And really, this icy look on her face, which was so different than from before, which was like three minutes before. And she, she, she said, well, I, 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 don't, I, I said, well, you know, she, she said, I can't say that. And I said, well, do you think you could ever say that? And she had the nerve to say to me, well maybe in six months, and then again, again, maybe never. And you know, we never got back close that night. I mean, it was like another hour and a half of, you know, just absolute coldness. And I just thought, oh, she said, but we could still be friends. That's, that's a good line. And... Uh, and then she said, well, what, what, that doesn't mean we can't stop seeing each other. And so I tell you that because the next day, and I, because I had a car, she was very uh, open to me driving her to where she worked. And uh, so, 
you know, because it was a free ride. <laughs> you don't have to marry a guy for that. And uh, so, uh, you know, so now three days passed, and I need to explain something. I worked all night on a night shift at a grocery store stocking the shelves. And so on the third day after that, uh, I'd worked all night, went to classes in the morning, and then usually I would take a long nap uh, to rest up in the afternoon uh, and because I'd have to work that night on at least several nights of the week. But that afternoon something happened. I, I can't explain it. I, we had in our dorm room, because I had two other roommates and it was the largest do d dormitory room on the third floor uh, of, of that complex and we had a huge walk-in closet and I would go in there to pray and there was a metal folding chair in there and I was, I was praying and uh, suddenly the presence of God. You know, that's what's so beautiful about going into any occasion of prayer to take time to just wait on the Lord. You never know what may happen. And suddenly God began to speak to me. Really, I was just learning to hear, to discern when the voice of God is speaking and he began to speak to me about the future and he began to describe to me what was going to happen in our ministry my ministry at the time I thought and uh, as, as I was praying the Lord really spoke to me that I would be involved in seeing millions of souls come into the kingdom millions now that could seem like you're almost arrogant in your thinking but I it, it wasn't that I made that up he was speaking it into my spirit and, uh, and at the time, just, Dee had just switched jobs because she got a, a higher paying job at a bank. But right before that, when I first met her, she was working at the Billy Graham Association as a correspondence secretary, answering letters that would come into Billy Graham. And so that, his headquarters then was in Minneapolis for many, many years. Now it's in North Carolina. But, uh, and, and so I thought, oh God, am I going to be a, 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 another Billy Graham? And the Lord said, no. No, you're not going to be a Billy Graham. All these millions are going to come into the kingdom through prayer. They're going to come in through prayer. And I was just weeping. I didn't even know what that meant. And then he said this, and you will be marrying D. And I started, I mean, it was so definitive. I started just weeping and saying hallelujah, glory to God, because if God says so, what can she do? And so, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden I said, oh God, pardon me, God. Would it be okay with you if you tell this to D before I tell it to D? <laughs> and the next thing I heard was literally, I am taking care of that now. You don't, you don't know how significant what I just said is, but you'll understand in just less than a minute or two. What happened was, that night I agreed to pick her up at the bank at five o'clock. I still remember picking her up. I remember the green Angora sweater-like dress that she w w probably looked nicer in than than anything else she had and I picked her up and as we were going back to the school she said uh, why don't we go out to dinner tonight and I thought you know she in our numbers of dates then she had never once asked me on a date or said anything like that it was always I took the lead and I said oh that that'd be great she said well why don't we go to there was a place we it was really a nice place when I tell you it was Becky's cafeteria, but it was a really upscale scale cafeteria. Uh, and so we went to the cafeteria. Now I have to digress to tell you one other little thing. Dee and I, I had agreed that on any date we would pray together and share requests. And I asked her one time, because she has a beautiful voice, if she would sing. And so sometimes she would sing. She sang solos for the choir and sometimes duets, and then in the summer she was in a quartet of young ladies going out for the college 
in PR, and I ended up being on a trumpet trio called the Gabriels, of all things, and we traveled uh, for the college too. But this, uh, she said, as we finished eating, <laughs> we're getting ready to go back to school, and she said, why don't we get down and park by the lake? She said that. <laughs> and we had been down by the lake numbers of times. That's where we prayed. And so I drove down to this one lake. When she said the lake, I knew exactly which one, even those many, many lakes there. And we were parked there in a kind of a parking lot right by the water. And uh, uh, before I could even say anything like, um, uh, let's pray or let's read scripture, uh, she reached out and took my hands. And I thought, this is so odd. It really was. And she said, would it be all right if I sang? Well, that was another thing. She had never, ever offered that. It was always, I would say, oh, sing. Can you remember the verse of that song uh, about serving the Lord? You sang with a choir, and she had a, would memorize her solos, and so she would sing it. And it was like a little devotional time, you know. And, but she reached out and took my hands and said, would it be all right if I sing? And I, well, I said, sure. And she started to sing, at that time, the most popular wedding song that was sung at weddings titled, I Love You Truly. She started to sing just the first few words, and I'm not going to demonstrate to you, <laughs> but I love you truly. And it goes on to say, truly, dear, and then it ties into the Ruth, whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou follow. She never, she never got past, I love you truly, and just started weeping, threw her arms around me. And do you know what the Lord said in there? Said, see? <laughs> I told you I was taking care of it now. When I said that this afternoon is when I put all this into Dee's heart. And he said, that's to let you know I'm going to keep the rest of the promises. And then he said this, slowly, steadily, surely, slowly, steadily, surely, I will do this. It would take a, a fairly long explanation of time that I don't have right now to explain to you that the Lord said, I'm not going to begin or show you all that this ministry is for seven years. You will go through seven years of, 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 of waiting and growing. But at Thanksgiving time, because this was around Thanksgiving time seven years later, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, in seven years on Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to reveal to you all that this ministry is. So I never told thee that. I did not tell Dee about that. Uh, I turned 27 in the year 1971, in January. And so I, I sat down with her. I, I still remember we were now living in Sacramento. And I said to Dee, uh, I need to talk to you in the living room. And we went and sat down. And just probably the nature of how I approached it, she wondered if something was wrong. And, and I took her hands. And I, I said, honey, I... Uh, there's something I've sort of kept back from you, uh, and now's the time to share it. I, I don't know what she thought I was going to say. It wasn't, I'm pregnant, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> or anything like that. Be well, okay. So I, I said to her, there's something I didn't tell you that happened in the closet seven years ago at North Central. I said, uh, the Lord told me in my 27th year, and it would be her 27th year also because I'm literally one day older than she is. And so we're the, nearly the exact same age. And, <clears throat> and uh, I, I told her God is going to do something beyond what we can imagine. And he told me it's going to become very clear on Thanksgiving Day this year. Well, just to give you a little bit more of the backstory, at that time... Uh, 
I had just been ordained. I was ordained in our denomination in 1969, so this was 71, and I had read, read the life story of David Livingston, how he wrote out a prayer uh, every year on his birthday. And so my birthday being January 25th, and I would get my ordination card usually like the first week of January, and each year, uh, for many years until they started giving us credit cards and you can't, <laughs> plastic denominational <laughs> ordination cards, and you can't write on them, but... Uh, I would write out a prayer, and I, I sat down in prayer one night and uh, began to write out what the Lord had shown me just a few days before that, and the essence of the prayer, I'll just tell you what it is. I didn't think I was going to tell this story. I would have brought a, uh, literally, I still, I still have the copy of the ordination card in my prayer room at home, a few people here. Uh, may have been in our home and have actually seen that because I'll point it out to them if they've heard me tell the story. They say, Lord, you've promised me a hundred million souls. I don't know how you'll do it, but I'll know you'll keep your promise. And uh, how on earth a hundred million ever came to my mind, I don't even know because it seems a lot. Uh, especially in our ministry that the most we had ever seen at one time saved, and it was an all-time record ever in our youth group, was 29 young people give their hearts to Jesus in one night in a special rally. And so we had like about, at that time, about maybe counting everything up to that time in our youth ministry, maybe a, a couple hundred. Uh, I, I don't even know that what number to give you that we personally had seen come to Christ and now we're, we're writing out that, that he's going to give us a hundred million. Now this was at a time where, uh, you know, you... It, I, I, I didn't even, I don't know how, I don't know if I ever even showed that to Dee for se that part for even several years because I, I, and I certainly didn't share it with me. I didn't go around saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to win because I didn't believe I was going to win them anyway, but I was going to be a part of a prayer movement that would pray them in. But I didn't know how directly we might be involved. But I have to tell you one more thing and then try to get, get, get the other two stories in if I can. Uh, but what I need to tell you was, uh, that following Thanksgiving, it was, and by the way, a lot happened. And I want to digress back to a couple other things that happened in 1971 just to show you. Uh, and why am I even sharing all this? Because a new generation, yeah, uh, I didn't even know that would be funny. I, I, I have to <laughs> write down to, to, to tell that again. Um, uh, but I, and, I, and I've got to digress way back to when I was born. My parents did not believe because Hitler, you know, World War II was winding down and during the war there was Hitler, there was Mussolini, and they thought one of those for sure had to be the Antichrist and their little new baby wasn't even going to reach 10 years of age. And here it is decades later, and for reasons we don't know Jesus hasn't come and we know he could come any day now, but there's a lot of ground yet to be taken. And so I, I, and here, here I'm looking at you as a generation. And I want to tell you something. On, there, on your table was a flyer about our trip next summer to reach the longest village in Europe. And uh, that's the beginning of a campaign in our ministry. And I really believe it's, I believe God's going to give a firestorm of retaking Europe for Jesus. <laughs> I really believe it. We're, I, fly, I go out in two weeks, I'll be in Estonia. We're starting to reach Estonia, the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Uh, then the Scandinavian countries, uh, Sweden and Norway and, and Finland. And of course, we're already in 25 nations over there. Uh, but, but we're going to be on top of one of the highest mountains there, praying over all of Europe, besides reaching the longest village. The longest village happens to be there. <laughs> And uh, we're going to reach that, but I, I've already felt God wanted me to take a day, maybe a day and a half of just mentoring, just sharing, leading into, before we reach the longest village, leading into fervent prayer out over Europe and that something is going to happen. And so I want to encourage you to consider joining us and bringing some young people uh, at that time. Uh, and, and I don't even know if our website is up yet, just fully um, in, the, in the next few days or a couple of weeks. 
with the actual dates. It will be sometime during the first two weeks of, of August. We're pretty sure of that, of 2015. But I want to mention that because this is, now is the time to be thinking about it. Uh, but the, the, I could never have imagined that now, by the way, uh, this year, uh, prob probably by the end of 2014, we will be at or very close to 150 million people who have been followed up and responded to the home-to-home -home evangelism uh, of Every Home for Christ. We are seeing the planting of 70 or more new churches a, year, a day, which this year, uh, this last year, 2013, was 25, just over 25,000 new fellowships of believers, and they have in them the DNA to multiply themselves. I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine all the things God said he would do. And that leads me to, to try to share with you just a, a couple more things, and, and I'm going to try to do this expeditiously. Uh, in, uh, we, we started the prayer corps, started the firehouse. Uh, uh, by the way, on Thanksgiving Day of 1971, maybe 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning, fast asleep, the phone rings. Brother Dick, are you awake? <laughs> I said, I am now. <laughs> it's Harold. I knew right away when he said, Harold, my dear African-American friend worked in the inner city, become a close friend. So, he says, I'm here with a group of brothers. We're praying. We got to praying for you. God told me to call you. God told me you'll know what this means. God told me to tell you, Brother Dick, it starts today. It starts today. And he said, you'll know what that means. <laughs> oh, God is so cool. So great. And God gave the vision of the first firehouse where I saw this. You know, I'm going to let you read that story in the purple pig. <laughs> it, but the way I saw this huge wood frame building with young people coming and going and clean cut young people because that was the hippie generation you know and they're carrying the big bibles and I said to one of them what is this place he said oh it's a firehouse really it doesn't look like a firehouse he said oh no we it's it's a firehouse but it's a it's a place of prayer he said uh, I said well, what do you do there he said we start fires fires of awakening fires of revival and when I said to the Lord, well, what happens in there? And the Lord said, uh, come on in, I'll show you. And, and he, he took me in and I saw a door. And on the door was a sign, painted, like painted by a young person, that said the gap, G-A-P. And then Ezekiel 22:30, I sought for men among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. And then the verse stopped, and I knew that verse well. And I said, Lord, there's a part of the verse missing because the verse goes on to say, but I found none and therefore I had to judge the land. And then the Lord said, that's because of what's happening in here. And the door opened before me and there was a young lady in long brown hair glass, about 19 years of age, long brown hair and silver rim glasses, holding a globe and weeping over it. I said, oh Lord, this is beautiful. She's really praying for the world. And then uh, another young man came and she handed him the globe and he took it and knelt and lifted it up and began to pray and then another one came uh, and took her, his place and then I said Lord where is this where is this he said this is nowhere this doesn't exist yet this is what I want you to do and that's what we did and the whole story is in that is in the purple pig and other miracles but I want to quickly try to digress and tell you something uh, and this, I said there was kind of three scenes to what I was going to share. Out of that, what happened at the prayer corps, the founder of Every Home for Christ, with a ministry by then going all over the world, planting millions of salvation messages home by home every day, he called and invited me to come and see him. There's a lot of story behind this, but in his calling me, 
to come and see him through a, a tremendous friend. And he was, by the way, he was on TV specials, uh, mobilizing people, giving for missions. Uh, he was on the radio every day in hundreds of radio stations like a James Dobson's been in recent years. He was kind of like that for missions years ago. And so I so respected him and he, he said to me, Dick, I believe God wants you to take what you've learned through this uh, to the nations and to the churches of America. And out of that came, we did move and uh, came the Change the World School of Prayer. And I, I tell you that to share with you this, this particular story. Um, <clears throat> it's now uh, 1981, June. I remember the exact date, June 15th. And you'll tell for reasons when I get into the story that I've never written this in a book and I've never put it um, out and some, you know, circulated it much. I know I'm sharing it here for you, uh, but, but you'll understand why as I tell you. It's, it's, now, it's now the 15th of, of June, 1981, and I'm speaking at a very large conference of, of a non-charismatic denomination, in fact, that was teaching at the time that uh, those who were a part of the charismatic movement or the Pentecostal movement in any way were uh, literally of the devil. And I was invited there to speak to them. Uh, to, there's 25,000 people going to be at this conference, about 1,500 to 2,000 of their pastors, and I was to be given a huge block of time, like cup, two and a half, three hours, every morning. It was at a, at, at the, the university that represented their whole denomination, which obviously I'm being careful not to, to name. So now I'm driving down the highway. I've gone to Toledo, Ohio, flew in there because my wife is from there, and so our two daughters were with her, and she was staying there, and then I was driving down into a nearby state to go to this uh, uh, camp meeting and this uh, uh, tr pastor's training and uh, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm driving down the highway. It's uh, right at 12 o'clock noon. I was going to get there in probably another hour to an hour and a half. And I'm driving and I start to thinking about my speaking on how to have a praying church to a denomination that if they had any clue of my background... I wouldn't have gotten anywhere near them, anywhere near that place. So I'm kind of driving and almost smirking. <laughs> Forgive me, I, it's a little carnal, but... And, and I got to thinking, who invited you to this meeting? Now, I couldn't even remember who invited me. Uh, because the letters would come in, then you'd pray over things, then you'd decide to do it, and, and then the secretary would make you a file and all of this. and and. Uh, and I, and I was driving, so I couldn't even open the file to see who the initial letter came from. And, um, uh, you know, this thought came to me, uh, who invited you here? And then I thought, now I'm just thinking, driving, I'm thinking, I wonder if anybody knows my background. What? How? how? I mean, they were writing books against us. And I'm driving, and then... All of a sudden, a thought comes into my mind. How many denominations have now had the Change the World School of Prayer? Now, I don't, I, this thought, it was just a thought. Well, I knew because we've been getting letters and our office then in California was t t tallying up every church, every denomination, and it was about 120 different denominations that had had schools of prayer. We had 10 instructors. Uh, they were doing... Uh, four and five of these every month. They were in, I mean, you, they were in Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Lutheran churches, Assembly of God churches, Southern Baptist churches. And, and it was just absolutely amazing. And if you go back and read The Purple Pig, and, and I'll just mention to you, chapter 11 is titled, Call the World to Prayer. And if you read that and what I experienced in that, and that was in 1971, and, and then, now here this is, 1981, and I'm driving down the highway. 
1971, I didn't even know anything hardly about the ministry that I one, one day would lead. So now I'm, I'm, I'm heading toward this, uh, this conference. Now, why did I tell you this? At that moment, I knew the Lord was speaking. And he said, where were you exactly 10 years ago this very moment? Now, it was just slightly by then. It might have been 12, 10, 12, 15. Where were you? I said, I knew God was speaking. I said, God, how, how can anybody possibly remember where you were exactly 10 years before at a given moment? I mean, that's impossible. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's not impossible for you because you described everything in the back of your Bible that's with you right in the car. I, and the minute he said that, I said, oh, man. June 15th, 1971. I was at that conference in Ohio. 300 youth leaders from all over the country. And I hadn't had the prayer corps vision yet. I had written out the prayer earlier that year. This was June of that year, the middle of that year. And I said, oh, God, I remember, I remember. Well, at that time, I was having some meetings. We, we called them a celebration of Jesus. And God was doing a lot of things that were interesting. Now, I'm going to use an expression now, and I, I don't want you to misunderstand when I say, I don't know how else to say this. They were Benny Hinn-like things. They're, I mean, I, I, I spoke at one college campus and as they were worshiping, all I said was, oh, the glory of the Lord is on this side of the building. That's all I said. The glory of the Lord is on... <laughs> they all fell over. I mean, the entire... And I, th I don't know if they were all because of the, the, the power of God. It might have been dominoes, but they, they just... You know, the first two rows might have started at all. But the, we were seeing these incredible things. So I come into this conference, and there's several other youth leaders. And now they're from a, a spirit-filled background, so they're used to some things. But on Tuesday, after I spoke, I spoke on Monday night, and I didn't feel much was happening. On Tuesday, uh, I, I spoke the last message before lunch. And I came to the end of, I couldn't, I don't know what that message was. I came to the end of that message, and I, I and this was as unanointed, as unresponsive as you could get in a, in, a, in a group of people. And all of a sudden I said, now I want you to be praying about tonight. Because tonight, the glory of God is going to come in this place. The cloud of his glory is going to come. Some of you may even see that cloud. And before the end of the meeting... The presence of God is going to come on people. Now, I'm telling you the truth. I started saying things that were going to happen. I, I mean, I, I, and I don't even know why I said it. The power of God is even going to come under the piano. What, what, what does that mean? The power of God is going to come under the piano? The, you know, so I'm... Well, and then, by the way, this is true. This is true. I got done saying this. And I said to myself, by the way, the whole congregation was looking at me like a tree full of owls. <laughs> They're not saying, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Oh, boy, we can't wait. I get sick. I'm standing there. And I said, what did you just say? And then everybody left to file out to go to the, to the lunch, you know, the cafeteria. And I got in line with them, carrying my Bible. And I said, God, I, I, I feel sick. I don't know what I just said. I said, I, I need you. And I turned and I saw in the distance some woods. And that was when I made a decision that I'm going to go out in the woods. And I remember when I went out in the woods, it, it might have been a quarter of a mile, I don't know, in this big woods, and I got out in there, 
looking for a place to pray. And I came to a big clearing. It was circular. It was odd because it was, I didn't see it right away, but like there'd been a forest fire or something or something had eaten away, but there was a clearing and a big stump in the middle. And I went and sat on the stump and I said, Lord, I'm not going to leave this place until you meet me. And I don't care if you don't meet me. I'm not even going, I am not even going back to speak. Tomorrow I'm supposed to speak. Tonight I'm supposed to speak. I will not go back. I'll get on an airplane. I'll go home uh, if you don't meet me. And I sat there and I waited and waited, really crying out to God. At some point, because I was far enough out in the woods, I could actually cry out to God. And all of a sudden, the presence of God came on me. And, I, and he began to speak to me. And all of a sudden, I said, Lord, what is it you want to show me? What is it you want to show me and say to me? And he said to me, what, what do you see around you? <laughs> okay, I, I looked, I looked. I see trees. What do you see? <laughs> he said, no, no, look closer. Look closer, what do you see? So, uh, yep, it's, it's trees. <laughs> it's pretty much trees. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to get down off the stump and look on the ground. What do you see? And I got down. I'm on my knees now. Everything was dead. Everything was dead. All the twigs were dead. Everything was dead, I thought. And I said, Lord, everything's dead. And he said, no, no, look closer. Look closer. And now I got down with my eyes just literally inches from the ground and out of every single branch I see little green shoots of life. I said, oh God, it looks dead, but there's the sign of life, the sign of life. And he said, my son, if you will just obey, obey me, listen, seek me and obey me. I will let you become a part of seeing life flow into denomination after denomination after denomination here and all over the world if you'll just obey me. And now it was 10 years later and I was coming into this denomination that didn't even know my background or anything. And let me tell you one little part of that story. God came so powerfully in systematic teaching of how to start prayer ministry in the local church. And on the last day, oh, by the way, a, one, one day before the last day, two things happened at two different times. A woman came up to me at the start and said, Dick, I can't even explain this. But last night, I didn't sleep. I went, I laid down by my husband and the power of God's presence, presence came and I had to get out on my face down on my face, and she said, I just sobbed all night. At the end of my teaching, another pastor's wife came and told me almost the same thing. They didn't even know each other. I knew something was happening, and by the last session, there were different people. You know how they'll come up and say, how can I order this? How can I get this training and that? And there was a pastor, I remember with glasses. He was standing back, back, and he would take his glasses, wipe tears, away. Put his glasses back on. He just waited. Waited until almost the place was empty. And he came up and he said, uh, you probably noticed I'm a little emotional. He said, and then he said, uh, I've noticed something in all your teaching. I said, what's that? He said that you've never once referenced your background. And he said, since I I don't recognize you as being one of our leaders, one of our ministers. I, I don't know where you're from. And I, I want to tell you something. And you don't have to give me any explanation of anything, but he said, I want to tell you, our denomination is dying in many places spiritually. He said, now the charismatics have something we don't have. He said, but we won't listen to them. 
But he said, our leaders will listen to what was said here. And I believe what was said here will be one giant step toward what those charismatics have. And he took his handkerchief out and wiped his tears away. I haven't forgotten that because as I look back and see the things that God is doing now, I could never have imagined what his plans were at that time. But surely, steadily, or slowly, steadily, surely, the answer will come. Just be patient. And so now this is the new generation. And one of the things that excites me is what God's doing in every home for Christ by raising up a whole new younger generation and it's getting stronger and stronger. And we just watch what God is doing. And uh, so I want to just tell you, I'm excited for all of you to go back. And the first thing I would say is absolutely make it your goal to have an encounter with the Lord every day, not measured by the emotion you feel, but measured by a determination just to be there. Just to have that set time. And, and I know it's happened in my life over all these, uh, these years. And I will say one final thing uh, 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 on the table there is the map, the U.S. map. It was June 4th last year that I woke up out of a sound sleep having dreamt weeping and sobbing over a map that I thought was the map of the world because every home for Christ has published a map of the world for now uh, probably four or five decades and uh, we've kind of made it into a systematic uh, 31 day guide of all the nations so many per day and uh, we've shared literally millions of these but last uh, June 4th when I was weeping over what I thought was a map of the world and my pillow was wet and I sat up in the middle of the night and as my eyes were just becoming clear and actually I sat up but before I sat up I was still dreaming and I had this uh, my eyes suddenly focused it was a map of America and the Lord just put on my heart uh, I'm about to do something great in America and I'm telling you, there's a lot of nasty things that we're dealing with in our culture and only a revelation of God's presence and a revival and an awakening can change anything. It's got to be supernatural. And so we're planning some major things uh, that you'll pro you'll, I'm sure, certain you will hear about and some of you will become involved in, no doubt, because if God's in it <laughs> and you want to be involved in what God's doing, it's going to happen. And so I just share this with you uh, in my uh, time before you and uh, <clears throat> uh, on the back of the map you see about the the Jericho Center uh, come and visit us sometime and uh, we're, we're going to be having some conferences in the in the months to come that include young people and I myself do these uh, uh, two-day uh, mentoring times with uh, small groups usually 2025 where we just share together that's what we're going to have a part of that in, in Switzerland, but I may have one uh, this, uh, uh, this summer at the end of August. If I do, I did at the end of August last summer. We will somehow communicate um, through our, our friends here uh, of, what, of what God is doing, and, and we're just looking for those that are, are willing to just sit for a couple days and, and uh, just hear uh, some of our journey. And we, because again, we could never have imagined, how could I have imagined? of what would be taking place all these years later. And I'm not the one out there planting 70 churches a day. I'm not the one out there following up 30 or 35,000 people with Bible courses every day. Uh, <clears throat> those are the workers that God is multiplying. Last year we had an average of 45,000 monthly volunteers and that number is growing. Let me just pray for you now and I'm going to give it back to David but I want to just pray for you. Lord, I I know I've taken a considerable time. Uh, God, we've been on an, an extraordinary journey. Uh, but Lord, at every turn, we've learned that you're a faithful God and you keep your promises. 
And Lord, you're even giving more than we asked. And God, when you, you, you put a, this claim of 100 million on my heart, now I'm finding others that you're putting that same burden on their heart to join us in the next 100 million, and then the next 100 million. And Lord, we will not be comfortable until the whole world, like Habakkuk chapter 2:14, is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so, Lord, take us from this place in the hours to come uh, and, and lead us into your throne room with encounters as we've never had before and teach us what it is to interrupt our schedule like I did that Tuesday in Ohio. Instead of going to lunch, interrupted the schedule and went into the field, went into the woods, and you showed me what you were going to do, and you did it, and you're still doing it. And so I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. hallelujah. And we'll see you in uh, Switzerland, if not sooner.